what I've been discovering is the power of, of the imagination and how it translates, how ideas translate into what we call the real world around mm -hmm. us. And it translates in so many ways that are so fascinating that we gauge the quality of the friends we have by their ideas. We are attracted to certain ideas and repelled by others. Tell me what's going on in your mind. Tell me what's going on in your heart. And I will feel the magnetism that will make me choose you for a friend or to say, well, I want to keep my distance from him. There is something within me that says, you have something to learn. Listen carefully. my design and art skills towards music um, because since I was young I was I had this dichotomy to myself where I was like part musician part artist and it was always hard to like focus on both at the same time but yeah I decided to go against everything my parents in school ever taught me and like quit all my jobs to like take a chance on on working with this artist his name is Sonny and I met him through my friend B-Rob uh, me and B-Rob were at this Ray-Ban party, I think it was Ray-Ban, at Boiler Room in, in Brooklyn, and then Sonny was there, oh wait, no, sorry, Angel was there, Angel is Sonny's manager, Angel is friends with B-Rob, it's like, you know, everybody just knows somebody, and I was like, yeah, I'm, I'm getting ready to like, just work on a lot of personal projects, and he's like, cool, do you want to work with us on music? And I'm like, yeah, so... We stayed in touch and eventually like met up. And then I was working with Sonny as an art director on one of his EPs. And that was a cool like year and a half to two years. I met so many interesting people through that that I'm still really close with today and work on personal projects with. Um, and then at Sonny's release party, that's where I met Mari. And I don't even know. I guess like we just got to talking and I guess we saw each other. I, I don't even clearly remember. Like maybe we saw each other at multiple events or something. But and The vibe was just there. Yeah. And that was it. Yeah. I think like everything kind of kicked off when I was like, you know what? I'm going to like take a chance on myself. And I feel like I'm in my 20s and now I need to like take this chance because when am I going to have a chance in the future? If not now. I wanted to gain like all this experience on photo shoots and stuff like that because I felt like I was really in this design world behind a desk. Um, so it was really cool to just bet on myself, explore, meet other like-minded people. I could start going off onto this book called about Jonathan Livingston Seagull. That's the title. It was like one of Kobe's favorite books. It's basically about this seagull who is like learning to fly with his group or whatever. And he like finds new creative ways to fly and they're like, oh, you can't fly that way. 
So he eventually, like, either gets exiled or, like, leaves, and he finds other like-minded seagulls, and he continues on this, like, path of evolution and growing, and I feel like that's kind of a theme in my life, where it's, like, Mm -hmm. I put myself in situations where I meet other like-minded people, and it's really cool. (laughs) I love that. Yeah, you could take, I mean, look, I have a full-time job right now, like, as of April, but until then, for the Congrats. past seven years, thank you. For the past seven years, I've been freelancing. So it's like, that's really in my heart too. And like working on personal projects and stuff. So I think that's still like a really large part of my story. And it's really nice to meet other people who think the same or are just with the vibes. So. I'm always so curious where people are. I mean, there's a lot of like stories written around this where there's always this whole theme where someone is telling someone what they can't do. Where does that come from? Like that mindset and that approach has never made any sense to me. It's like, I'd rather you just not say anything at all. You feel me? Yeah. That comes from their own insecurity. I've seen so many like videos on Instagram about this or whatever. Shout out to curated Instagram feeds. Right. (laughs) When you can get the algorithm working for you, it's, it's really the most beautiful thing. It is a great tool if you can get it working in a productive way for sure yeah totally totally. it's like as a creative i feel like you always have to soak in as much from the outside and kind of let your subconscious mold it and then kind of put it back out at least that's how i sort of approach creativity i mean obviously you don't want to get too caught up in outside influences where you're copying someone else's style but like yeah the end of the day like creation is recombination in some ways you know yeah i really love seeing other people's work because like in the role of an art director or a creative director, you kind of have to know, like, I like to hire people for the style that they're already doing versus, um, versus like trying to get someone to be like, Oh, can you do this style? Or cause it's insulting to them. if like, you know, we're trying to change your style, but -hmm. also like, I'd rather celebrate someone for their own unique thoughts and creations. Um, so Instagram's been great for that. I think like my feed is equal part inspiration like that. I have my classic basic Beyonce videos or whatever that I'll watch for inspiration. Oh, we need that. <laughs> and then like those really like soulful, you know, like love, void, love, I don't know, attraction, like all these different spiritual learnings. And I try and apply that to my life. I feel like that's what you would see, like and a mixture of dance videos too on like on my explore page or something. So that's interesting by the way. I feel like if you ever date someone, just be like, can I see your Instagram explore page? Let me see who you actually are. That's real, because then that's that's probably a more honest representation of the content that they like, whether they want to admit it or not. So then, like, when when you decided to drop everything and go into the realm of freelance, and like, what <clears throat> from friends that I have who have freelance or decided to just pack up everything and just quit their current job or just move to a different city, there was mm-hmm. a general sentiment from the people around them, sort of discouraging them to do or follow whatever their passion. So how, how are you also oh. able to make that transition in addition to your love for the arts, but really just um, double down and better on yourself? Yeah, I think after plenty of therapy over the past two years and like discovering myself a little bit more, I'd put it towards my own inner critic that was like, yeah, obviously throughout my life, I've had multiple people that have challenged me or said, oh, you're not good enough or whatever. Um, Or, oh, you're not going to make a living off of art. Or, like, people even... I remember in high school, people being like, oh, you're going to college for art? And I'm like, yeah, for art. 
and I'm going to make a really dope ass living from it mm-hmm. and I'm going to succeed and you're going to be stuck doing whatever the hell you're doing. Right in the matrix. <laughs> How do you like, considering you are making a living off of art and being an artist, I feel like for me, I always struggle with with that conceptually where like a lot of the my artistic passions, I don't actually end up monetizing or like don't actually kind of connect to my professional career because it always just like, not always, but in certain, sometimes I have and I've freelanced and done creative projects and whatnot for money. But I've also found that that concept to me is always sort of, I don't know, I struggle with it sometimes. Like I feel it's like so when I, hard. I, I fell in love with art with nothing to do with money and then like you kind of grow older and it's like oh i love this but i also have to pay the bills with this or like i have to i can't just go out and have fun and and be an artist like i imagined when i was younger you know yeah i think it's like this weird misconception where like i remember when i was younger everyone's like oh yeah get this project in your portfolio it'll be a great portfolio piece and i'm at a point where i'm just like i want to work on things and build businesses and you know it can be dangerous like i've had this conversation in therapy where it's like I didn't like charging for my work either at a certain point. Cause I'm like, this is passion. And like, this is another artist who's trying to make it. And like, I want to support them as another artist, but ultimately like Pete, somebody's getting paid and like you're providing value to somebody. And I think that's something when I talk to other uh, like younger designers or, or people that I try and mentor or just give advice to, there's actually this guy on Instagram called the Cristo that kind of like changed my mindset and his company, the future. But yeah, like why not monetize what you're creating? And, and the other thing is like the same way you can have a really dope brand and charge whatever you want for it is like you can make up your own price. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's like so many there's an art to it. There's so many aspects that go into it. It might be a little bit harder, like when you're working with a big company or something, but I always try and like be mindful of how much I'm charging for what, or I've gotten to a point where I'm really picky about the projects that I do take on, or if I even have enough time, because I'll like overwork myself to the point where I need like a month off or something. And that's not healthy either. Yeah. I feel like in general, like in, when it comes to work, a lot of people and certainly myself oftentimes <laughs> overestimate our ability to like get stuff done. Like the amount of times that I've added a deadline where there didn't need to be a deadline and stuff like that. Uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> or just like, oh yeah, sure. I can take that onto the plate, you know, when my plate is already so full. And then like you said, like you just end up kind of burning out. Um, so you really, I like, I've, I've learned a lot even over just like the past few months about being more in touch with myself and like, you know, giving myself the grace to be like, no, I have too much shit going on for me to actually agree to do this project, even though this project sounds dope. Or like, hey, I know you really say that you need it by this date, but like for me to, just because you're giving me kind of the pressure to commit to it, I have to be honest with myself that like, oh, I'd actually need a little bit longer. You know, like I think that flexibility is key because otherwise you just end up burning out and like, you know, you have to think long-term in terms of the work that you're doing too. Totally. And I think a really... I don't know, everyone's different, but a lot of artists that I know in my own community, it's kind of hard to set boundaries sometimes, especially when you're really passionate about something and you want to work on it, but say there is no pay or there is no like credit or something. You you just have to like kind of make it work for you. And it it hurts for me, like, because I've been horrible at setting any boundaries throughout my life. And it's been something that I've been working on over like the past two to three years. Um, And it's getting easier, you know, it's like you have to crawl and then learn to walk. So I think as creatives, it's just so important to set boundaries in terms of 
what you think your value is and how much you want to charge and, and how many projects you can take on and what kind of projects you work on and who are the people that you're working with and what's the credit that you're getting and um, where are you allowed to show your pieces? Like these are all really important things that I think about now when I'm taking anything on and just making sure those boundaries, not only setting them, but like continuing to enforce them. I wish that was taught to me a little bit more in college, to be honest. I was always taught like how to do the job, but not like the business side of things. Mm -hmm. So that's like kind of my next version of growth now. I actually was um, kind of like mentoring a group project for a group of friends. And I noticed there was like some conflicts during certain points, which happens with any team. Obviously, it's normal. And I, I saw it. I was like, yeah, some people or basically a lot of people on the team needed to figure out what their intentions were, what they're getting from the project. And also like, because no one was getting paid, it was a collaborative thing. What boundaries are you setting? Like you're, you're giving your time and your space. So, you know, figure out the best way to collaborate and just be honest with people. I feel like that's the best way to, you know, set things off on a good foot. I've always wondered why sometimes artists or people who do creative work feel like they shouldn't make money off of what they do, because isn't the whole point to also make money doing what you love. I'm so just like, thinking about the banana at Art Basel, the banana wall or whatever it was. That, that was genius. It's also like that little dot that's also in the, in the middle of a white canvas. It's like if you can get paid to um, not only support yourself, but also be able to support those around you, I feel like that's, that's when that true alignment comes into play because I feel like far too often there are artists or people in the creative realm that hold the struggling artist as like a badge of honor, which has always just been very interesting for me to think about especially yeah. I'm, not, I'm not coming from a place of money or wealth so mm -hmm. it's like i'm always cognizant of the fact that whatever i am putting my time into whether i'm seeing results today tomorrow or even four years from now i can't forget that one of the reasons why i'm doing what i'm doing is for generational purposes as well you feel me mm-hmm yeah, I feel like for me, the the reason why I've struggled with that concept is it's less about the idea of making money off of it and more so just kind of the industry of it. So like music, for, for instance, is something that I have a very personal connection to. I fell in love with. I love creating. And I don't like to me, no, the dream isn't making money off of it because I just enjoy doing it. I don't associate money with the enjoyment or the fulfillment that comes with using something as a creative outlet when it's personal to me in that way. And I found like, you know, I've seen people in the music industry and like all of my, even just from the side, like a lot of what I've seen has just been like, oh, well, that kind of ruins the, like if I have to do that to make money off of this, then I would rather not even bother making money. But that being said, there's also, you know, certainly in the modern context or like what we see now is a lot of artists are able to go directly to their fans. And in that case, it's obviously different because it is just, you know, you still have complete control to be yourself creatively. You don't have to bring other other energy in, in it, capitalist energy, you know, like yeah. uh, maneuvering energy in dust, like the industry of it, um, and you can't make money of it. So I think that is a good distinction to make. But I feel like for me, as I was growing older, that was something that for a while, it kind of was like killing my buzz that like I made this, you know, I made this art for fun and now I'm supposed to sell it to you. Like you I don't want to just like check it out and listen to it. Like that mm -hmm. that kind of distribution part, I think just got weird for me. And now I'm like, okay, you can make it just post it up if people want to support you then you can like i think that option is uh is a key part of it too i think it's important to always have those side projects like for me i mean i'm so used to getting paid for creating brands or working on creative stuff like that but i have like my outlet in cooking or in other things like 
where I could still use that creative energy where it's not tied to making money. Or sometimes I'll work on a personal project that maybe isn't like a huge time suck or something, but I could still get that creative energy out without having to hear any feedback from anybody, which is also nice too. And I feel like you owe that to like your inner artist to just be able to take direction from yourself sometimes and not have to like answer to a crowd of people. Yeah, 100%. Yeah, not everything should be monetized, but if you can figure out a way to monetize the passion, I just feel like that just makes the most sense. Or being able to double down on your passions and realize you may be able to monetize later. So it's like we can take someone like Chance the Rapper, for example, who, I mean, I guess he released like his first <laughs> real studio album. When was it? Like last year or two years ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he just was able to just build himself up by giving everything out for free, quote unquote. But then you also mm-hmm. have someone like Nipsey Hussle, who was selling one of his first mixtapes for $100 a pop. I mean, that's an art statement in itself. Like Exactly. Charging $100. It's also about the user experience. So I remember back in high school, one of my teachers was, well, one of my art teachers was saying, like, she went to some exhibit and they had this really annoying, like, I don't know, banging noise, like while you're trying to like enjoy this beautiful art. Mm-hmm. But that was part of it. It's like part of the experience of like, oh, hearing this really like annoying noise while you're trying to like look at beautiful views or something like that's that's all part of it. It's all designed together. Yeah, exactly. It's like there's so many different aspects to the art um and obviously i mean we can get into a whole conversation about what art is and, mm-hmm. and that, but before we do any of that i feel like this is probably a good time to pause and do some introductions <laughs> since we're a little bit into the conversation so what's up cool. y'all welcome back to you free our communal podcast you got me on the line Ozim. you got eric and who are we speaking with today Alyssa. hey <laughs> I love that. I love that. We gotta keep to the all point. that in there. <laughs> to the point. To the point. <laughs> I mean, what did you want me to say? Like, <laughs> uh, where are you from? Oh God, I hate saying this. I'm from Long Island. Go ahead with your stereotypes, everyone. <laughs> Drag me, if you will. <laughs> <laughs> I thought you were gonna say Staten Island at first. You get a pass. Thank you. <laughs> I'm not sure if it's much better, but I don't know. <laughs> when you're looking at some of the projects that you're um, working on now, like what's some of the elements that excite you most? Especially now being in a leadership role, right? Oh, yeah. That's a whole different thing now. Um, even like on personal projects, like mm-hmm. leadership and everything. Um, I am so grateful that, I mean, this is another random person that I met. Um, we were going to work on a project together that didn't work out, but, and it's so funny. Okay. I'm talking about my partner free, like we're working on a business, uh, partnership right now. And I am so grateful for his energy and we'll have a product coming out soon. Um, maybe on the next time I'm featured on this podcast, I love it, love but it. Both of us are kind of like exploring that new realm to leadership, like within our own project and like outside, like in our own separate workplaces. Free's like this awesome movement director and dancer. And I hope I'm like crediting him correctly, like creative director, all the good things. Um, and we talk about leadership all the time, especially with creatives. I also read another really good book called Herding Tigers, which gave me a lot of like insight and how to like be a creative leader. I'd be curious, based like you mentioned reading the book and getting some takeaways, like what are some of the things that you've learned as far as stepping into a leadership role? It's sad a little because it's like you can't be everybody's friend. But the part that I do like about it is that 
I can have conversations. I mean, I've actually technically been a leader for a while and haven't realized it, like, yeah. based on different roles that I've had in the past. But, like, with mentoring or giving advice to anyone. But when you're, like, when you're in the system or whatever and there's, like, this hierarchy, it's it's really great to be able to have those conversations with mentees or whomever you're, like, managing and just ask them, what are you passionate about? Like, what do you want to work on? And then having the ability to like bring that up during like any sort of meetings where it's like, Hey, this person would really be awesome for this. They're passionate about it. Let's get them on it. I wish I had somebody doing that for me um, at some point. And I think I do now, but yeah. And that's how I know that you're a good leader because good leaders empower the people around them. And like so many, I feel like I see both types of leadership, right? Like you see like the bad leadership still effective, but just sort of the leadership, which is very much like the people around me report to me. And so I'm just kind of leading this forward and you're just going to, you know, do as I say, and I'm going to, you know, to be in a leadership position and to not, you know, really empower the people who you're working with. But the best leaders are the ones who like do exactly what you said, you know, recognize the individual characteristics and habits and passions and all of that about each person. And then, you know, uses that for the team and as a whole, you know, for to get something done, but also to empower those people. So that's how I know that you're you're naturally <laughs> stepping into the leadership role. Thanks. Yeah. Um, I've been like reading about it for years, to be honest. I've been in a lot of like in a lot of great situations, but equal in a lot of bad situations too with poor management. So I think I've learned from that. Um, I've learned to also like realize that I might be more experienced in certain situations. So just like, you know, trying to be relatable and being like, oh, do you know what this means? If you like, I totally didn't know what this meant early on in my career. So if you don't know, just let me know. Like I'm here. Like let's, let's be cool and just talk about it. You don't have to feel like like, I've had managers that are like, oh, do you even know what this is? <laughs> like, where it's this weird energy instead of just being relatable. I think that's so important. Um, there, obviously, like, you can't be, like, a best friend to everybody, but, like, you can totally, you know, support people and advocate for them in the workplace. And I think it's, like, a lot of personal work and awareness. Me and Free talk about that all the time, like, how our awareness and, like, our understanding of energies and, like, just understanding ourselves have led us to be better managers also like being patient with people but also like being able to set deadlines or actually okay I talked about this with my therapist this weekend um and she was saying like when you start getting into management roles or leadership roles you learn how to set boundaries but now you have to be really artful about them too and she's like for me anyway, she's like, you're really good at that because you care about other people. Um, so you're finding ways to kind of balance everything and like study the situation and figure out like what might be a good way to approach something. Ultimately, I think teams work best when everybody's just really excited about what they're doing and they have some element of purpose in there that like this project is going to feed some sort of why underneath it all. And, and when everybody knows what that why is for everyone, it kind of helps motivate the whole team in a way because it's like, oh, I'm getting my why met, but I'm also helping someone else achieve their why. And I think that even that like might bond a team even better together, in my opinion, anyway. That's real. I'd, I'd be curious. I mean, we're talking about the present and like also where you're leaning into in the future. I'd be curious to kind of take it back to the beginning. Like, have you always just sort of as a kid, were you always an artistic kid? You know, when did you first really start to explore that side of you? Yeah, I think I've always been artistic. Uh, my mom always really supported that. 
uh, <laughs> I remember I took this painting class when I was a kid. Um, I remember I was drawing some dolphins in the water and like this teacher came over to me and like tried to correct the way my painting was being painted, like the way I was drawing the waves or something or painting them. And as a kid, I was just so pissed off because I'm like, this is my art. Like, why are you yeah, like, that's such a wild concept of like correcting mm-hmm. a kid and how they draw something. Yeah. It's like, it's a motif that's happened. Like I'm happy that my high school art teacher noticed it. She's like, I know you hate it when I draw on your art. I never even had to say anything. She just like could read my energy. <laughs> so she was like, I'm just going to like make a suggestion. You can do it if you want or you don't have to. Um, I've gotten better with feedback later on in life, but I still feel bad like giving people feedback sometimes. I only like to give it if people are asking for it. And and at that point too, like you can't take everybody's feedback there's like this other book that I read with this bear and basically like he draws a portrait of his mom and then he's like, it's a children's book and he's like on his way home from school. So excited to show this picture to his mom of her. And he like goes to an alligator and the alligator's like, Oh, it looks great, but it should have pointier teeth. And then he shows it to an elephant and he's like, looks great, but it should have a longer nose. <laughs> shows it to a giraffe. Looks great. Should have a longer neck. And by the end, it's like, what is this? Obviously his mom loved the painting anyway, but you can't take everybody's advice on everything. Like you have to listen to yourself. And, um, after years of being like, in this institution of like education and college and high school and all this stuff. Like sometimes I know I have this inner voice and I'm really like trying to lean into that more. It's sometimes I think as artists, everyone like likes to give their two cents on what a visual looks like. Cause maybe like visuals are easier to like comment on. And um, I don't get it. Like it, it's always like the visuals, like I commented on first in meetings or something from people who aren't necessarily like study having studied or practiced it for that long and also just the the system what it kind of like tried to mold me into was somebody who's good at creating work for others um and I think part of this project that I'm working on with my friend Free is really about like listening to yourself And I think that's something this generation, like Gen Z, is really going to be doing more of. Um, Just like listening to themselves and their own inner compass and like seeing their own greatness, or at least I hope so. Maybe like some of the, some of us millennials can help guide them. Um, Mm. And like, yeah, that's all I wish is like from this project that we're working on is that like we could give that next layer of freedom or inspiration to other people and share it. Because I wish I had somebody that could have given me that guidance when I was younger. Totally. How were you able to step into or like really start to lean into that inner voice, you know, as far as betting on yourself? At what point was did you kind of learn some of these things? You know, obviously, you're going to be able to pass it on and pass it forward so that hopefully others, you know, who are able to meet you and have you serve a mentor role for them will be able to learn it early in their lives. But did you have someone who stepped in and played that mentor role? Like, how were you able to, I guess, tie that knot for yourself or untie that knot maybe? I think Shanae Aiko. <laughs> she was like my mentor. I remember <laughs> I would like literally leave work so upset some days. Um, like this is a long time ago. Like I'd be overworked. I'd be the last one in the office for, for weeks in a row. Um, and I was being exploited and I didn't even know it because I was so young and I didn't understand how things worked. I thought like, oh, you just have to hustle really hard to like make a name for yourself and your career and everything. 
I have a different perspective on that now, but I would like take these long walks down by Battery Park and just like listen to what was that album? Uh, Sailing Souls. Sailing Souls, yep. Yeah, Blue Dream. <laughs> I, I don't even smoke, but like, I would just listen to that album and just be so calm. What was that other song? Um, I'm a Wanderer. I forgot the title of it, but that song, oh my God, that song was just like, that song healed me or like gave me the courage to just be like, yeah, I'm not happy here and I can like wander off into something else. And that was, I guess, like kind of my introduction into understanding the whole concept of like universe her Pharrell have been like pretty instrumental in that but yeah I think I think like when I first left that job my parents were like don't go freelance like you need a full-time job like what are you gonna do and then you know I went freelance and charged three times the amount per hour and they were like you should have charged more <laughs> like why I'm just not gonna listen to any of you anymore because you don't even know what you're talking about you don't work in my industry like I respect you like you know you made it work for you but yeah maybe it's like the internet maybe it's like the friends I was around seeing other freelancers being successful um being part of communities like AIGA or ADC which is now the one club all of those things made me see that there's just like so much more out there and uh and yeah I, I think I just have this pattern also of like not always listening to people and I guess I just had that since I was younger where I'm just like like, I do like listening to people. I honestly like listening to um, their perspective on things. But when it comes to advice on my life, like, no one's going to know your life better than you do. So you just have to, like, I guess it's just, like, a feeling that's, like, inside of you. Like, you know when when something's bothering you. Like, if you have to, if you have to question something, then it's bothering you, and you should, like, honor that. I think that was something, too, that I, like, started learning more about when I was, uh, like, three years ago I was in I don't care about sharing this information but I was in like a really weird manipulative relationship and I broke out of that um and then I checked myself into therapy because I'm like how did it get this far like how did I let this some this person manipulate me so much and um and it's because there was like so much gaslighting and when you start understanding what I learned is like there were certain things like that intuition um that came out where I like questioned things and then that person would have like gaslighted me or be like, oh, what are you worrying about that for? Like, you're such a worry wart or like, oh, that's all in your head. I, like, why are you even thinking that? And most of the time, like in hindsight, I was actually right about the things that I was sensing. And that was like the funniest part. And uh, yeah, you just have to like learn to put that into practice. If something feels off to you, just leave it, cut it. There will be, just cut it out your life um, and something, is waiting to enter your life, but you have to make room for it. Change is inevitable. Why hold on to what you have to let go of? Like, did it really break your heart? Was it all my fault? If you don't knock it off, you know, like I know. And 
Changes 